Greetings, Earthlings. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and also an energy worker and a channel. And at tdjacobs.com, you will find a wealth of resources. I've been spending the last, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years developing as many tools uh, as I can. You can thank my second house son, focused on tools, uh, to help you advance heal, release, evolve, leave the past behind, change karma, change your beliefs, uh, tons of tools, uh, energetically programmed crystals and astrology classes and tutoring and consultations and uh, karmic overviews called Soul's Journey Soundbites, books, lots of things. Uh, this, and I've been quiet for a couple of months. I've had a lot going on, including some personal stuff with, with uh, travel for family business and uh, they're, they're in going uh, deeply into my um, unresolved childhood issues and having to come back out. So now, today, uh, March 27th, I start to feel like an adult again after the last couple of months. Um, the last thing I posted to uh, SoundCloud is an MP3 called Living with a Planet in the Twelfth House. And it was not intended to be an exhaustive, cookie-cutter uh, spoon feeding you details, but I did get one comment. You only mentioned three planets. That's not useful. Um, and, uh, whatever to that person's brain. Yeah. I've actually considered doing one more specifically, but the way I teach astrology is that I want you to learn to think astrologically. I'm not going to spoon feed you details about anything. And if you've taken any of my classes, you know, I don't do that. What I do is I teach you the context, the, how to understand what's happening so you can think like a human adult and not just be absorbing and regurgitating data. So living with a planet in the 12th house, that MP3, that it's just about an hour, it explains what the 12th house is about and what it means to have a planet there. I do mention three different planets there as random examples. But today, today I'm going to go through the planets one by one that you might have natally in the 12th house. And I know as soon as I go through this, somebody's going to say like, well, that's great, but what about <laughs> Saturn's transiting my 12th house? So that's fine. You can ask all the questions you want, and I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can in future, you know, future uh, episodes here. Um, but what I say today in this MP3 will not make total sense unless you have heard the other MP3. So I strongly encourage you to go back two months in time, or just to the you know, the SoundCloud feed, and uh, listen to Living with a Planet in the 12th House for context, for a grounded understanding of what's really going on. Because in Houses 1 through 11, there's a certain logic that is tied to the material world and 3D and causation and the laws of physics. In the 12th House, the logic is completely different. In the other MP3, I explain that in detail. So in order to learn to think astrologically, not just, you know, be spoon-fed and regurgitate details because your computer mind thinks that's what that's where you're going to get meaningfulness, uh, which which you won't. But anyway, instead of doing that, listen to the other MP3 if you haven't, and then come back and listen to this one. Uh, Mercury is retrograde currently. Today's as I said, March 27, 2018. And so, if I say something, if you did hear the other MP3. And then you listen to this and something doesn't make sense. Listen backwards twice and you'll get something out of it because Mercury's retrograde. <laughs> okay, so that's my little joke for the day. Uh, I do want to also let you know that there are 
three four-day healing intensives coming up that I will be leading and facilitating, uh, two in October, one in November. The two in October are in Tucson, Arizona. The one in November is in Eugene, Oregon. So Family and the Conspiracy of Love is uh, October 4th through 7th in Tucson. The Pluto Intensive is October 25th through 28th in Tucson. And the Chiron Intensive is November 15th through 18th uh, in, in Eugene, Oregon. All this info is on my site under healing courses and also um, on Facebook I have some info too. And the idea is four-day healing intensives limited to six attendees and we go deeply into your own story and using your astrology chart as well as information from your spirit guides and then I'm digging through your multi-life records, essentially Akashic records, but I don't often I'm not, I don't have some kind of credential from some practitioner, so I don't say I do that. That's exactly what I'm doing constantly, reading your other life selves and integrating things and releasing things. And through meditation and energy work, uh, meditation usually led by Ascended Master Jehudi, also known as Thoth, St. Germain of Merlin, and the energy work from Archangel Metatron, which is transformative. I will lead you through these four-day processes of digging into your stories and resolving things that need to be resolved. With family and the conspiracy of love, the souls are all involved. All of our souls are involved in what, what we call the conspiracy of love. To understand why your soul chose your family and to make peace with that. And then to resolve family issues that recur in many, many lifetimes, which we all have. Because family is the incubator, the most important you know, incubator slash crucible for our karmic learning journeys as souls. To resolve that, those changes your 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 whole relationship with life and your conception of who you are. So, family the conspiracy of love is uh, early October. The Pluto intensive, which is essentially a lot of I call it sponsored by Metatron, because there's a lot of depth and a lot of intensity, and essentially we're opening up a space again for a limited group, uh, for only six people, where the worst fears can come up and be transformed. We can acknowledge the worst pain. We're essentially taking what's in the shadows and bringing it to the light with compassion, acceptance, love, generosity, uh, benefit of the doubt, generosity of spirit. That one is uh, late October in Tucson. And then the Chiron Intensive will be a very different vibe because uh, than the Pluto one. Because we're going to go deep, but we're going to go very slowly and gently. Because the Chiron part of every human is, an unresol is unresolved issues in an infant part of us, a child part of us, who cannot reason. So there's a lot of heart-centered heart-opening work that we'll do during the Chiron Intensive. And I'll teach you about energy management techniques because Chiron in my world represents the energy antenna within your psyche, the part of you that senses energy. It's also the part of you that expects to be rejected for being different, but at the same time, the part of you that carries a uniqueness that needs to be embraced. Uh, so we'll talk about all those things and, and take it apart in your chart and help you uh, overcome, you know, clear energies that you've absorbed, but also overcome any part of you or, or, or heal and resolve any part of you who's waiting for someone else to validate, love, and accept you in the ways that family, when you were young, may not have. So I'm excited about those. I love doing these four-day intensives. And um, check those out at tdjacobs.com under Healing Courses. There's actually a specific uh, graphic on my homepage for those three that will take you to the Healing Courses page. So let's talk about um, 
uh, planets in the 12th house, natal planets in the 12th house, where I'm going to do a list for you. Uh, we're going to start with Sun, just because that's where we always start, typically. Uh, many astrologers will start there. Uh, the Sun is how you develop a sense of identity, how you maintain an ego, its vitality, its self-expression, its creativity. It's the part in your psyche who's holding everything together. So the inner decision maker is another phrase I often use. If you're thinking about it in terms of like a meeting at work, it's the person who's running the meeting, the final decision maker even. You could say the inner CEO. Uh, I've said that a number of times in different teachings. And um, in order to be sane, that sun has to be functioning appropriately. So in the 12th house, it's operating according to this logic that does not fit with the material world, with 3D reality. That, that we live in when houses 1 through 11. So to make decisions, to figure out who you are and what you're about and what, you, what, what uniqueness you have to offer, what you're going to bring, you have to be in the 12th house space, which is surrender and letting go and merging with what's happening. Now, sometimes people with 12th house sons find themselves overwhelmed by energy sensitivity because the 12th house is where we connect to the collective or the masses or the greater environment that surrounds us. So to be sane, many people with Sun in the 12th house have to, well, they may perceive they have to sequester themselves or isolate or hide from the world. But what I would say is you have to unwind tension and excess stimulation. You have to find a vibration of what's really true for you in order to have clarity and sanity that the sun needs to have to be healthy. So you might, if you have sun in the 12th, there's people with sun in the 12th, may feel that they're always on the defensive against the environment they live in, the world, the town, the city, the traffic, the people, the people at work, whatever it is, the the constant barrage of media messages of all kinds, uh, through social media, through billboards, through, you know, just being bar barraged, barraged? Yeah, uh, being barraged with uh, th that kind of sensory input. If you, however, maintain a consistent um, clearing of energies, a consistent quieting, quieting down, if you take time to unwind, if you get out of houses 1 through 11 and get into nature and deal with the altered states of consciousness, including those of animals... If you have if you have a son of the twelfth, you have any planet in the twelfth, <laughs> sit and watch a bird. I don't know if you have access to watch monkeys or <laughs> or goats or sit and watch a cat and adapt your consciousness to it. It will totally take you out of whatever was stressing you. <laughs> I do this with Pluto and Venus in the twelfth. I do this, and it totally does relax me. But then I get really perplexed because I like doing it with birds because they're so uh, they're so different than mammals. Just I guess to be blunt, uh, they're just so different from so many of the other animals I seem to have access to, um, or I, I apparently have access to. But anyway, um, alter states of consciousness, right? Some people will do substances, alcohol, drugs, whatever, to alter consciousness. But it's but the point is to connect and merge and surrender every point in the 12th. So you are sane in the 12th house if you can consistently unplug from the stress of daily reality and feed yourself some quiet stuff, some quietude, and feed yourself with 
what is from the natural world that is nurturing. You know, it would be easy to say, son in the 12th house, uh, you should swim. You should dip your feet in rivers. You should, you know, relax by water. Go to the beach. Because the water of the 12th house can be nurturing. But I would offer you that there doesn't have to be water. But there has to be something that that is real that operates outside, you know, human uh, volition. Uh, ca- you know, capitalistic productivity models, uh, puritanical work ethic, whatever, puritan work ethic. To to detach from all those things is the point. Now, some people will use video games, porn, TV, uh, and now we have, of course, so many options for streaming media online constantly. Um, you know, again, substances, things to distract themselves with. But the point is that you need to unplug from the normal, natural, from the normal, you know, productivity-centered, concrete-covered world. So to be sane, you have to find that quiet. Now. When you do find that quiet and you unplug, your imagination may roam freely. You may feel subject to quite a lot of stimulation that doesn't make sense to your rational self. Same with all planets in the 12th. You may pick up on hidden cues. You may be stimulated by things happening in the world. Your son, in this case, may feel you know, driven to do something creative or express an opinion or share something unique about yourself in response to something that's happening in the collective. So you might feel like you're not an ambitious person, but that might be because you're kind of on the back foot, you're on the defensive, needing to unwind and unplug. But once you actually get there, you'll find something you want to address. Sun is, in a person, the need to shine. So once you really get comfortable operating your son in a healthy way, according to the kinds of things I'm saying, you will find there's, there is some ambition in there. You want to do something. You want to make a contribution. I do also believe that all 12th house planets, in feeling connected to the collective, want to participate and want to be part of it. Again, if we learn to clear out energies that don't belong to us, and if we learn to nurture those things with the quiet that they need. So that is, that is the sun. Moving on to the moon. If we say sun is what you have to do to be sane, then moon is what you have to do to be happy. I kind of take this from my teacher, Steve Forrest. Uh, the idea of you have to operate, this is my phrasing, you have to operate a planet intentionally. You have to work a planet in order to create you know, a vibe, a rhythm that works for you. Sun creates sanity. You have to do it all the time. Moon creates happiness. A lot of people experience their moons at different times in life in terms of not feeling safe. But but moon also represents how you relax and that personal side of you that isn't always available to people, isn't always visible. So what do you like to do? What really makes you happy? That's the kind of idea. Now moon in the 12th house will be sensitive emotionally to the greater environment. To the, to the energetic fabric of what's happening around the person. And that's why I say this is one placement where uh, maybe a little more than some other placements with Moon where somebody might not feel safe and might not feel safe on a regular, consistent basis because they're energetically sensing, they're picking up on all kinds of things and that affects their emotions as well as their body and psyche and everything else. So Moon in the 12th house, to be happy, you have to clear the decks 
you have to unwind, you have to relate to nature, you have to, in some healthy way, deal with altered states of consciousness to clear yourself out. Um, that just, just one little aside, uh, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the first uh, MP3 in the series here, but I did this the other day and it worked, and so I'm just reminded, reminded of this. With my planets in the 12th house, if I'm sitting at my desk and I'm stressed, and there's like a there's like a to-do list of like 12 things, and I really could only do like four of them today because I have to wait on these other details. That might stress me out a little. What I'll do is I'll go to a movie because they turn the lights out, and then they will they'll show the story that's happening in another way for another reason, another universe. Um, you know, the self-contained thing within this hour and a half or two hour deal. When I leave, I walk out in the world, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, this is my body. Oh, oh yeah, there's my car. Oh yeah, my name's Tom. I live in I live in 2018. And I will reset. There's this thing about the altered state of consciousness or the the fantasy thing in the 12th house that really helps you reset. So with Moon there, when you're overwhelmed with emotions, you need to clear the decks and completely unplug from the way things actually are. So daydreaming, fantasy can be part of this. All 12th house planets might need to engage in a little fantasy. And the point is letting things happen, letting things unfold. One of the things from the first MP3 is this note on what serves your highest good, what may serve your highest good as a spiritual being, as consciousness, as a soul living a human life. Extremely likely is not known by or is um, judged as negative by your lineological mind or your, or your, your, you know, your mental self, right? Your intellectual uh, brain-based left brain self. And so to allow ourselves to flow with what's in our highest good, in fact, is a very healthy 12th house kind of thing. With moon there, how you deal with emotions, where you might receive nurturing, where you might receive emotional sustenance and support, where, where you find community, moon also involves the, how much we feel we belong. So you need to feel that you belong in the world, but you also need to have a place to belong that's maybe a little more specific than the world. Um, and so everything is wide open in the 12th house. And with the moon in the 12th, you need to find a place to kind of nurture and nest within your own body and then have your body and yourself be part of the world. Now, since we just did sun and moon, I want... Oh, oh, and the other thing is... um. In the 12th house, with, especially with the moon, lots of things flow. There's a current of reality that is like the energetic matrix or backdrop in which we're all living. Matrix in which, backdrop against which we're all living. And um, just having flashbacks, my mom correcting my grammar uh, when I was a kid. But um, things flow. All kinds of things happen. You don't know what it is. And so sometimes people with 12th house planets feel out of control, and that is very frightening. Well, um... With Moon in the 12th, if you flow through emotions but never get attached to any of them, you no longer need to fear that you're nuts. Because you might pick up on a bunch of different things that have nothing to do with you, but you feel them. Well, what does that mean? You know, again, think about Moon in Houses 1 through 11. There's a cause and effect. You know, there's a there's a rational way to understand what happens in those houses. It's tied to the material world. The 12th house Essentially, anything goes, and it can feel chaotic. That's sometimes why people with Moon in the 12th don't feel safe. Because not that just that things are changing. 
not just that there's an influx of a lot of stimulation and, and emotional data, energetic data, but that they overlap and you're feeling things that don't belong to you, blah, blah, blah. So, so that's one of the things to understand about the 12th house moon is that you might feel nuts sometimes because you're overwhelmed with emotions. Let all of them flow through you. Get attached to none of them. Ground, clear things out, take care of yourself, put your feet in the stream or whatever. Um, do art, play with animals, get lost in the woods, those kinds of remedies to help you unplug and unwind and find your center again. Okay, now all that said, with sun and moon, and also with like um, sometimes Saturn and Mars or Venus, we make these assumptions about gender roles and family members. I was just thinking about this um, because recently, recently I did a soundbite for somebody who has the moon and Pisces in the twelfth house, and I don't make assumptions that that would mean something about the mother. But the person did say to me later, oh, my mother has some mental issues. Pisces in the 12th house moon. So the chart holder has this, you know, need to open up and flow and whatever. But someone in the family, the mother, you know, has, has some issues that are the kinds of things we might fear when we have a planet in the 12th house. Because we get overloaded with data. We sometimes don't know how to manage the complexity and the, just the, the outright number of things we're feeling. And we can feel sometimes ungrounded and a little nuts. Well, I want to be clear to you, if you have the sun in the 12th house, don't, and if you see it in somebody else's chart, don't make wild assumptions that the person's father has a problem or is a drunk or is a crazy person. Don't do that. And if the moon is there, also don't make similar assumptions. Like with this person I did the sound by four, it happened to be true. But I want you to think astrologically and understand that um, it's not always that black and white and that clear cut. And if you make such assumptions that Saturn represents your father and uh, uh, Moon represents your mother, blah, blah, blah. If you do that, you're going to be wrong. You're going to miss connecting with people's charts, uh, whose charts you're reading. Um, in my chart, it goes back and forth, for example, Moon. Sometimes it seems to represent my mom. Sometimes it seems to represent my dad. And the same with Saturn. Um, does either of them represented by the sun? No, I don't think so. Um, but, but the point is that moon is how we relate to nurturing and essentially when we're young, how we experienced nurturing and learned about it and how, what, we, what we received and how we feel we need to be nurtured. Saturn represents our relationship with authority figures and how we are going ultimately, ideally, to become an authority figure. So I just, I just strongly invite you to think astrologically about this and understand the energies of Saturn, authority figure, moon, nurturing, where does, it, where does love come from, sun, uh, vitality, leadership, independence. Like, like I just encourage you to think about it in that way and not get too pigeonholy about it. Because that's when we're learning about astrology and, uh, you know, like... Um, uh, whatever, you know, like we, we study our own charts. That's, that, that's why we start, all of us, because we want to understand ourselves. And so you'll find tons of books and websites that say stuff that kind of pigeonhole, that are kind of pigeonholing, pigeonholing? Yeah, they do this pigeonhole thing about, but, but it's not always accurate and, and, and it also can sound like a, uh, like a sentence of doom. <laughs> when you read it. Like if you look up Pisces Moon in the 12th and somebody said, and some uh, astrologer, uh, has written, well, it's probably mental problems with your mother, and you'll probably go crazy too. Well, you might believe it, because that, that astrologer might seem like an authority figure. 
But anyway, I want you to encourage you to take a step back and understand the, the real meaning of what these symbols are really about. So that's moon. Let's move on to mercury. Mercury within you is um, perception. It's your curiosity, your interests. It's how you process information. So perception is related to how you process information. And um, uh, clarity of thought. And it's about all the communications. So what you want to study and learn, how you might process information, how you, how you speak, how you write, and even why you're going to write. So you're, you know, you're, why you would speak or write. So your Mercury talks about all of that. Mercury in the 12th house says your mental perceptive abilities and your inspiration for communicating is tapped in with this great big swampy mess that we're all surrounded by. So it's another um, planet here you know, it's an inner planet, so it's personal. But but there's this another planet here where hyperstimulation, being aware of too much information from the collective and the world around you and your environment, may be uh, may be a challenge. And it's another you know, just like all these planets, you have to unwind the tension by being quiet and letting things unfold. When you now, if you're somebody who feels on the defensive, like I was talking about with the other planets because things are too stimulating or you're overwhelmed, um, understand that once you clear the decks and get into a consistent groove, your thought process will naturally flow better. Now, you, if you have Mercury in the 12th, you know already that if everyone's saying to you, hey, here's a good idea, <laughs> like every day somebody says to you, you should do this way, you will not have the ability to think straight and even know if that's right for you. But if you stop listening to other people and you take the time to figure out what's really going on for you and you maybe you have to sigh a lot. Maybe you have to like, you know, take a bunch of naps in the afternoon with an eye pillow so you don't have the light stimulation. Like like whatever it is, when you limit that stimulation of your senses and your mind, your mind will flow naturally and find its own rhythm. So I know that if you're Mercury in the twelfth, you already know this about yourself. But again, we live in a world that's full of this expectation of productivity and also an expectation that if asked a question, you need to have an answer. We, you know, we live our adult lives on the model of our elementary school experience. <laughs> you know, like the teacher says, um, blah, 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 blah. Can anyone tell me about the now? You're in third grade. I don't know when this happens, but like you're in some elementary school class when you're young and it's like, can and you start breaking down the parts of speech, like, can you identify the nouns in the sentence? Who can do that? Well, you know, let's say there are 25 kids in this class, and um, seven or eight raise their hands. You know, maybe another seven or eight don't care. Maybe three of the other ones are just kind of tired and can't care. But anyway, there's a proportion of people in that room whose minds don't operate according to the Puritan work ethic and the Saturn uh, compulsion to be productive. Some of those people have Mercury retrograde. Some of them have Mercury in the 12th or Mercury in Pisces or some Mercury conjunct Neptune or something. So people with Mercury in the 12th might not have a ready answer and need time to slow down and unwind to be able to accurately, articulately respond to a question or something like that. When you really understand what the 12th house is about and your planet in the 12th house, like your whole life can change because you'll, you'll give yourself the benefit of the doubt that you need space. You need um, not constant simulation in order to find clarity. 
So if somebody's saying to you, what's the answer? What's the answer? What's the, like every two days a person's like, what's the answer? Your job is to say with Mercury in the 12th, give me time and space. I will get back to you when I, ha- when I have the answer, but I'm not going to like keep answering emails and voicemails and answering the phone if you keep asking that. I need the space to do what I need to do. So anyway, respect that your Mercury operates in a different dimension almost. This dimension, the 12th house space, in which all kinds of things happen, some of them are inexplicable. <laughs> and we're sometimes overstimulated by the inexplicability of things that happen. So, um, you know, curiosity-wise regarding Mercury, um, you might find yourself interested in a billion things, like everything. Or you might find yourself interested in spiritual things or wanting to learn about energy or some higher principle or being interested in reading scripture even as a means of finding the divine. Like, who knows what it is? But your interests will be aligned with with things in the 12th as well. And it could be that what you're really interested in is quiet. <laughs> that, that nobody else would really understand. And this idea of, like, like what, I, what one thing I wanted to say of, like, um... Mercury in the twelfth, like the idea of like the kids in class and don't having not having an answer. So some of them may be left behind because they're not, you know, Johnny and Janie on the spot with quick answers all the time. They may be seen as slow or not having something to contribute. If that was you and you have Mercury in the twelfth, well great. Let's just draw a line in the sand and understand that now in your adulthood you have, um, you just have to find your own rhythm. Your Mercury is no less valid. Your <clears throat> thought pra- thought patterns, your way of learning, your style of learning, your way of um, articulating yourself, it's not less valid. It just doesn't fit with the houses one through tw- one through eleven. Therefore, other people's expectations of what your Mercury should look like are off base. But they're the dominant force in the world. What's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? And you're like, I just give me some space. You look like the weirdo. So I want you to validate that you're not the weirdo. Your Mercury is operating on a different frequency and you have to find your own rhythm. It could be you find yourself frustrated sometimes because you live in a world full of deadlines. Where uh, all kinds of deadlines. And you might be forgetful because part of you is trying to lose that productivity mandate so you can relax. You might lose, you know, you might miss dates and deadlines. You might forget to return calls and mail checks. And you know, I don't know if people mail checks anymore. I do, <laughs> but anyway, you might forget certain deadlines for bills or returning answers or contracts or something. So once you get into a groove of giving yourself permission to have all that space, you won't need to forcibly haphazardly, recklessly unplug from the world once you intentionally learn how to do it. But you might have lived a life full of other people's judgments or concerns over you that you're not going to make it on your own because you can't, you know, meet these deadlines and don't understand what day it is. Uh, Okay, and then also that relates to spelling and counting and all kinds of detail-oriented work. Okay, so, you know, where where there's certain expectations of how it should look. I also want to point out to you, if you have Mercury in the 12th, because you might have certain creative spelling habits that were used against you when you were a child in the um, conformist education system, wherever you are in the world. Because, But I want to tell you, it's the early 19th century when Daniel Webster 
standardizes spelling in America in order to teach kids a standardized spelling. Go look that up. If you have Mercury in the 12th, uh, you should know this. Because um, because if, you, if you're back in the um, 18th century and in the few hundred years prior to that, you'll find spelling variations. You'll even, you might even find in Shakespeare's original work and other people of that time, them spelling the same word different ways, you know, decades apart. It's because in English, spelling wasn't standardized until Daniel Webster got up on his megalomaniacal, um, you know, let's turn this world into a Saturn factory for drones. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. Anyway, uh, that's my little, my little imagination for right now. But anyway, you are held accountable, but you're, you know, for, for certain spelling practices, for example, but this has not always been this way. Anyway, so just know that there's nothing wrong with you, but your brain works differently. Your mind works differently. Your spelling works differently. Okay. Um, I guess the next one is Venus. Venus is a part of you that relates to other people and that also needs to develop a value system. And it's about self-esteem and self-worth, and it's about survival issues. It's about money and, and having resources, such as food, and turning skills with a price on them into money so you have resources to buy food, have a roof over your head to ensure survival. And Venus is also, how we, and how we relate to others, what we're willing to receive from others and what we're willing to give others. So a lot of layers to Venus between the Libra side, you know, the Libra second house side and the, or sorry, Libra seventh house side and the Taurus second house side. I've been doing that this week with the retrograde. Um, so Venus, how you relate to people and also give and take. Well, Venus in the 12th house, again, it's operating outside of houses one through 11. So how you relate to people, you're going to pick up on a ton of extraneous stimulation in the world that will affect how you deal with people. You might not be open to certain people because of the energies in the room where you are with that person. Because you're, you're picking up on things in the world or in the environment that may affect how open you are to dealing with another person as an individual. Um, Venus, I'm, so, I'm trying not to be distracted because... I'm saying things I, di I didn't know about my own Venus in the 12th, <laughs> and I'm also trying to make sure I don't um, project because I have Venus conjunct Pluto. So all my Venus issues are wrapped up with the garbage of Pluto. Uh, so let me pick up um, Laramar, which will help me make sure I don't project. Um, so how you relate to people will be informed by this, but also what what you look for in others may be 12th housey kind of people. Now, you may inadvertently or intentionally attract or pursue uh, people who seem lost. Think about, think about Venus in the 12th. What's normal for you is another person who is connected to another dimension. So it doesn't mean you're going to date mediums and channels and psychics and mystics, and you know, but you might find a lot of people with addiction issues, a lot of people who are afraid to look their own issues and problems in the eye. Uh, you, you will definitely be interested and attracted in people who are creative, who have a, the ability to let go through creativity and perhaps other ways. But you might find a lot of people who are lost uh, as well. I'm totally projecting. I'm sorry. 
So this portion of the MP3 is brought to you by me processing my own Venus Pluto garbage. Uh, maybe I'll pause it and just try to regroup. No, it's not going to help. You just have to bear with me. Um, it's actually on my mind now because Saturn and Mars and Capricorn are squaring my Pluto Venus, and Sun and Aries is opposing them right now. So it's like been to every all the stuff's been up on my mind. So this idea of Things not working according to 3D or logic. Venus is money and skills. Well, you may you might magically gather or tap in psychically to skills and, and absorb them quickly. You might also magically lose money. You might make missteps regarding Venus issues, and there might be a lot of loss that you experience. I didn't talk about this with Sun, Moon, and Mercury, but there's always this element of needing to surrender and let go. I was, I was really focusing on how the planet functions. But we'll add this in here for all these planets. Essentially something in the 12th house, you need to learn to let go and let things flow. So with the Mercury, you need to let the idea come to you. You need to let a uh, stream of consciousness, you know. And with Venus, regarding your values, you have to find out sometimes through a loss of money, oh, that that thing doesn't suit my values. That really isn't important to me but there's a loss of money. Uh, so that's possible in there. This idea with skill, I can, and I can attest to that, as well as a skills idea. Certain skills I've had to work at quite a lot, and certain skills have just come to me magically as though I'm downloading them. Like um, in the Matrix movies, when the person is in the chair and they put the plug in the back of the head and somebody's like, oh, I have to know how to uh, drive this helicopter. You know, and like 10 seconds later, the person knows how to drive the helicopter. And um, I've had that experience with mediumship and with doing energy work on people. But on the other hand, like working with crystals and channeling, other 12th house energy consciousness things have been very hard for me. I've had to, you know, I don't want to say it this way, but I've had to actually work at them in a normal way um, for different reasons. But the point is you may tap into Venus in the 12th. You may tap into a skill set that you just understand. Now that can also be true of art, of creativity of all kinds. And even as a musician, as a kid, it was hard for a while. And then suddenly I just, I don't know what happened. I crossed the line and it was very easy to progress and learn and something just snapped. But there's a 12th house thing in there about being open and flowing with, with energies. Uh, regarding relationships, um, Venus is also you know, in how we relate to people, it, it also has to do with how we tell other people who we are. Now, Venus sometimes in a person's makeup or psyche sometimes defaults toward being there for other people. I want you to be happy. What do you want to do? Which is fine, but it's imbalanced. I mean, there's nothing, you know, terrible about it, except, you know, it becomes toxic. But you have to show people who you are. But your Venus is in the 12th house. Your Venusian stuff is complex, multi-layered, and multi-dimensional. How can you possibly explain to other people who you are? So Venus in the 12th sometimes can have these imbalanced relationships because you see someone needs something and you might respond to it. You might not assert who you are. Remember, Venus is in Neptune's house. You might not assert, you know, yes and no. You might not assert boundaries. You might, fitting with this, you might get lost it, as in being swept away by the energetic connection you have with somebody. 
So your relationships function in 12th house ways to a degree, because you also have a 7th house. You also have planets perhaps in the sign of Libra. Libra probably on a house cusp somewhere in your chart. But to a large degree, your, Venus, your, your relationships unfold according to Neptunian things. And again, this thing about what's in your highest good, you don't know what that is consciously. So relationships with Venus in the 12th can feel weird because you might feel led this way and that way. You might feel like you don't have conscious, actually with all these planets, you might feel that you don't have conscious choice. Like with Sun in the 12th house, you might say, I am going to achieve this thing, and then it just won't happen. And you're up against this brick wall, and it seems elusive. I talk about that in the first MP3, the general living with planets in the 12th house. Um, so with Venus there, you might want a relationship that does not serve your highest good. You know, you might want a way of making money that does not serve your highest good. Venus has this, you know, turning skills into money. Uh, so anyway, to learn to surrender to these things is important, and that requires a, a, a measure of loss and learning to let go and flow with things. I actually remember I was telling my someone just recently, a client or a student, um, Years ago, I, I happened to be in a new relationship. I'd, I'd uh, been together with this woman for two weeks. I'm head over heels. I'm crazy head over heels. And of course, in that like naive, younger place, part of me is like, I'm going to be with her for the rest of my life. We're going to be together. And things were going really well, right? We're only two weeks together. And um, I, in channeling class, I there was an odd number of students. So I got paired this week, that particular week, with the channeling teacher. And she's giving me, and, we're, and we're, we're trading readings. So, of course, I'm like doing a, you know, I'm like doing a shaky full legs, you know, I've never done this before for her, and she's giving me this professional reading, right? So I really lucked out in that class, and I think it was um, totally guided, totally guides and cahoots, so she could most weeks give me a ton of info. And what she said was, oh, yeah, the woman, that my guides were telling her, oh, yeah, this woman that you just started dating, don't get too attached to her, she's just a stepping stone. I was, I was, it made me crazy. You know, you think about that, like, that welling up of uh, chemistry, and everything's finally good, because I'm with some, I'm with the right person, blah, blah, blah. And the message was, yeah, don't get too attached to her. And we were together for a year, and I totally had gotten too attached to her. Um, And uh, then it was done. And part of the thing with Venus in the 12th and attachment is, just like with Moon in the 12th, if you don't feel safe because you're just like so wide open, or if the Sun in the 12th, you don't feel like you know who you are, you don't feel like you have an identity sometimes, because you're overstimulated with this mass, you know, the mass of uh, uh, data and, and stuff going on in the world around you in your environment. Well, with Venus, you might not feel secure in relationships because who knows what's going to happen? Because all these crazy, weird, random-seeming things, parenthetical, yeah, that serve your highest good, and parenthetical, um, happen. So outside your control. So people with Venus in the 12th may be a little more attached than other people in relationships because they might be holding on for dear life, like, oh, I'm floating here in this, in this dark ocean at night in these terrible waves in the storm, but look, there is a piece of driftwood. I can at least hold on to that. That is potential. That's potentially happening with some people with Venus in the 12th. So the need is to surrender to the highest good and let people come and go. But 12th house planets can have us afraid because we're we feel uh, you know lost sometimes. 
it, just just on that note of feeling like overwhelmed, I have a story. You may have heard it in another MP3. I've told it a couple times over the last few years. I went to a, a conference in Arizona when I lived in L.A., and on the way back, I came back at night. So the conference was over at like five or six, and I just drove back until like the middle of the night, you know, whatever, after it. So it's like, I don't know. I'm, in, I'm definitely in California at this point at a rest stop, and I'm just trying to like focus and drive. I have to go to the bathroom. So I pull up this rest stop, and because I'm like tired and a little spun out, I park far, 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 as far away as I can from the building with the bathrooms so so I can like get a little fresh air and exercise and just and so I get I get out of the car and um, this is like in the I guess the Mojave Desert like it's probably near Joshua Tree and I get out of the car and uh, there's not one cloud in the sky and my eye catches how large the canopy of the sky is how overwhelming I can see billions of stars exaggerating but I freak out and I have to avert my eyes, but I feel overwhelmed. And I run through this, like, I don't know, 150-foot parking lot into go pee. And then I'm like, but now I have to go back out to my car again. I run again. I don't look up. Because it's overwhelming. The enormity of it's overwhelming. So people with planets in the 12th can feel lost in that vastness when they, when they actually relax and realize. Another example of this is when I lived in L.A., I lived for a while in Santa Monica slash like Venice back and forth and I couldn't look at the ocean at night. Like I used to like going to the beach and going to the, the piers. Like it's, it's Santa Monica pier. That's where that little amusement park is. That's very famous and being in media. So you don't, you're distracted by lights and people and whatever, the smell of cotton candy, whatever. But the Venice pier is like where people fish there's nothing there. I think they have some lights, but there's not like any business or distraction. And I used to go there and realize I couldn't at night because I was very aware of the energy of the entirety of the ocean and it freaked me out. It was overwhelming. So that's kind of a 12th house thing. So you can sometimes feel unsafe because of the enormity of something. Okay, so that's the Venus thing, loss of relationships, loss of money. Oh, it, when you orient your uh, values to a higher truth, these things start to, these tensions and fears start to melt away and you can flow in alignment with what's really true for you. So Venus, you might want something that isn't in your highest good. You won't get it. Can you, or can you let things go? Actually, a woman I used to know who had Venus in the 12th also said to me one time, I was talking about how, like, I really wanted this thing to be the way it was, and it just wouldn't. And she was like, well, then want it to be a different way. I was like, no, I prefer that. She was like, then change your preferences. And I was like, you, I, I, it was, it, I couldn't even, like, respond. I was like, I, I think I said no, but I couldn't, like, respond in a mature way because that was inexplicable to me. Because it's okay to want things. But when you're Venus, I have Mars in the first. And then Venus in the 12th says, ah, you just got to let it go. So one of the the downfalls or pitfalls can be if you just let everything go and you don't align with your values, but then you feel depressive and overwhelmed and like a sucker because everything sucks and everything um, leaves you and whatever. Like you can have like a defeated way of being in the 12th house, which I think a lot of people do by default. So that's the Venus deal. Align, with, align your values with a higher truth and let things go. Magic also happens in the 12th house. Synchronicities. You know, they also happen. 
if you're aligned with the truth and you're willing to let go of your attachments to the worldly part of it. Okay, now um, Mars in the 12th house. Uh, Mars is the part of you that wants things, but also the part of you that, uh, like like, like uh, instinctive physical desire, and you want to reach out and grab. Mars is also a def an instinctive defense response, so it's assertion, it's aggression, it's defense. It's also physicality, and it is will, willfulness, which has to do with a sense of strength and confidence, okay? And it's about beginning new things, and initiating things. So Mars in the 12th house says that this part of you needs to surrender to a higher truth. So what you want that is simply for egoic gratification may not work. Uh, if you say yes to something, I always talk about Mars saying yes, please, and no, thank you. It may not work. If you say no to something, it may seem like you're being overwhelmed and, and you don't have the right to say no. Sometimes Mars in the 12th house will feel lost, like the person's willfulness, the person's fire. Again, the willingness to say yes, please, to what I like and want, and no thank you to what I do not like and do not want. So that may feel lost. But again, it's just working outside the expected parameters of houses 1 through 11. Material, world, reality, cause and effect, causation, whatever. So if you align your will and desire with a higher truth, then it works fine. It flows and magic happens and things come to you in weird ways. Um, and, and one of the things is Mars things, You might, so with Venus, just to recap that, just to end that, with Venus, you might need to spend a lot of time away from other people to get that clarity that I was talking about with the sun and moon unwinding and with Mercury, to get the clarity and the peace and the space to understand what, how you really tick and what's going on, you have to clear the decks. Well, with Venus there, yeah, you might, you might be a bit of a loner, and that can be lonely, but you need that space. With Mars here, you need to not do sometimes. You need to not rush out and do something. And again, you live in a world full of people who are focused on doing that. You know that the right kind of person is like ambitious and, and assertive and aggressive and whatever. And Mars in the 12th needs to flow with what is in the highest good. And when you get into a groove with that, you'll, you might feel like an outsider in the world we live in. All 12th house planets contain that possibility for, you know, for a person. But with Mars there, you're supposed to know what you want. And with Mars there, you may not. Um, you might be very attuned to violence in the world around you, to whether that's through, you know, kind of a rooting for the underdog or, you know, or, or being attuned to the terrible things people do to each other, being attuned to um, uh, damage that people do to each other, all those kinds of things, you might be attuned to that in the collective, which would make you not want to be assertive because we never want to be the kind of people we observe hurt us or others. So Mars in the 12th needs to find a higher, a higher truth about why to act, why to say yes and no, why to want things, why, you know, what is really true? Do you need to defend yourself? And Mars in the 12th can lead to some paranoia if you perceive there are threats, like Donald Trump. Mars is in the, on the ascendant, but it's in the 12th house. He perceives threats everywhere. He's paranoid. He has Pluto there, too. We'll get there in a, in a little bit. 
actually at the rate this is going, I'm almost an hour in for like five, four planets, five planets. Probably got there in like four or five hours with Pluto. Um, but um, you might feel unsafe and go into reactive defending mode in an ungrounded, unhealthy, unrealistic, unreasonable way, like Trump. Um, you also might get into a groove eventually where you act at the right time for the right reasons because you're instinctively guided. You feel internally, yes, today is the right day to do this thing. Today is not the day to do that other thing. Uh, that that kind of um, inner tuning or, or, or tuning in uh, is... Uh, you know, will help you, but your will, your willfulness may feel lost and ungrounded. Well, take time without doing anything to focus it, to clear the decks and to find the truth of what it is that really matters to you. And that is aligning it with a higher principle. When I say, you know, aligning with the higher truth, higher principle, I want you to realize that you are the divine already. You are already goddess and God. Your soul is divine consciousness. And when you truly tap into what resonates as real with you, with the 12th house planet, you are tuning into what is the divine truth for you. So I'm not when I say higher principle or higher ideal or something, I'm not saying go join somebody's meditation group and listen to what they tell you about how your life should be. You know, I'm not saying anything like that or go join this multi-level marketing thing because it'll connect you to the masses, you know, or whatever. Um, or this church or this religion or whatever. Like I'm not saying that at all. But what is really true for you, you know, Okay, and the way to get there is in evaluating your fears and resistances, and in 12th house Mars, surrender, let them go. You have courage. You have will. You have assertiveness. It just operates on a different rhythm outside the world that we live in, which is oriented toward houses 1 through 11. All right, moving on. Jupiter. Jupiter is about belief. It's the function within you that's about belief, faith, hope, risk, self-confidence. So the way that you form beliefs will work in this 12th house, perhaps at first scattered, Neptunian way where you're absorbing a bunch of stuff. How can I have confidence in myself? You might feel that part of you dissipated or d dilute or di diffused, uh, diluted or diffused. Um, and you're going to be, you know, how do you have faith in life and, your, and yourself? Well, you're going to be so tapped into all this other stimulation, again, to get your beliefs clear and grounded and to get straight with that. What's worth believing in? You have to clear the decks, have time alone, unwind, and let the thing coalesce within your consciousness. Um, you might have a bunch of um, experiences in losing faith, with Jupiter in the 12th. Because you might, again, choose to believe in something that isn't in your highest good, but your brain doesn't know that. And then the culmination can be feeling let down or the rug pulled out from under you. That would be a very common, uh, prevalent, ex and, and frankly normal for the human development evolution of consciousness process, uh, to feel let down by the universe with Jupiter in the 12th house. Because... You are in a process of shedding and losing things that don't actually fit a higher truth. So if your brain says, this is what I choose to believe, and that could be a political ideology, it could be a religious thing, it could just be a way you interpret the world. Jupiter represents also our belief framework or the structure of our worldview. Well, in the 12th house, you will find out what's really capital T true, and sometimes 
you know, things in the twelfth house aren't happy. Sometimes things on human life aren't happy. You know, one of the things to, to add in here with all these twelfth house planets is, just because you experience pain doesn't mean you deserve pain or you're doing it wrong or you're being punished. I'm sure I would have gotten into that in the um, in the other MP3, but it's been so long since I did it, <laughs> I don't remember. You may lose faith, but those are things that are not worth really having faith in. You might experience a loss that makes you lose faith, right? You may see something in the world happen in front of you that makes you lose faith uh, or that challenges what you have faith in. I think the challenge to your beliefs is always healthy because then you, especially with Jupiter in the 12th, because then you tune into what's really true. You can tune in and say, okay, I have held on to this. This is where my worldview has involved or been centered around. Is that really true? And that's a hard thing. All Neptune 12th house processes are really hard. And planets in the 12th house get taught often by hitting a brick wall of reality. Venus there, you got to let that person go. Mars there, you can't do that thing. Or you can't do it till you align with a higher truth, which may look like your ego isn't okay or isn't allowed. And with Jupiter there, you know, the, the need is to recover faith by recovering the willingness to let your beliefs change and grow and evolve by finding out what is in your highest good. Okay. Um, faith, hope, and risk. You may at times risk in a huge way. And again, the brick wall of a cold universe sometimes, a brick wall of reality, you may find it doesn't work. And it may be very disappointing. So just recognize that the tendency with, with any 12th house planet to be depressive or to be hopeless or to have despair, to feel existential crisis, it's, it's all possible. Because if you're aware of all the things that are happening in the collective, you may not realize, well, okay, I can't change all of that, but I can change how I contribute to the whole. Let me take care of myself. You may not realize that because you're overwhelmed with stimulation. And that can be depressive. Uh, if you're aware of all the terrible things that are happening out there, you might not realize that you can create something positive. But that's a shift waiting for the 12th house Jupiter. Uh, moving on to Saturn. Uh, Saturn is a part of you that, that structures things, that needs to develop discipline in order to create of your life something that matters. It is about ambition. It's about hard work. And it is also about overcoming our natural sense of, I'm not sure if I can do that, and maturing into somebody who is confident and qualified and, and competent, confident and competent, to do the thing. So a maturation process is always called for over the course of a lifetime in your natal Saturn placement and configuration. Um, so Saturn is the need to structure things and be detail-oriented and work for a long-term goal. Well, how does that work in the 12th house where you're supposed to let things go? What happens is you need to create to, to create of your life a work that is of a Neptunian nature that involves surrender and letting go. So what work you might want to do may not happen, but something else will, and you'll find you're really good at it, and it will give you a sense of meaningfulness and purposefulness, but it might not be what you chose. That's not to say that if you have big dreams and then you find yourself doing something that you really hate, that you should you know, give up on that. That's a lot of what Saturn in the 12th can be about. Big dreams, but not being sure how to get there, because Saturn works 
you know, wearing Neptune's costume here and uh, in a certain way. So um, how do I make that thing happen? I don't know. Well, if you let yourself be guided, you orient to our higher truth. What's your, what are your values? What matters to you? What, what change do you want to see in the world? That kind of, that kind of questioning. And then you surrender and you decide I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to find out what work is in my highest good. Then you get a sense of being able to, uh, to let things happen. Opportunities will come to you. Sometimes people with Saturn in the 12th create something they're really invested in and then it goes away. And that is very, very, very painful. I just think of one client from a few years ago who happened to be at her second Saturn return and she had created a a thing through work and had nurtured it and developed it and maintained it and grown it for something like 25 years. And then a change in management came in and just ended it. And she felt, you know, really upset as any of us would be. And part of the lesson of Saturn in the 12th is we have to give our work away. We have to do something that's oriented toward the collective, or we have to learn, this is the most important part, because not everybody's going to be super altruistic all the time, and there's no judgment if you're not sitting there saying, oh, my Saturn's in the 12th, how can I serve humanity? I'm not judging you, and there should be no judgment if you're not focused in that way. But at minimum, being willing to let go. If it doesn't work, or if it works spectacularly, and was really great, like with this client, but then it dissolves, dissipates, it just stops, and it dies... That doesn't mean it wasn't worth creating. It means that you and your Saturn maturation process throughout your lifetime are being asked to be willing to surrender. Because if something goes away, it needs to. That's something that, you know, we, we have this thing in our heads where if we experience pain or loss, we must have done it wrong, done something wrong. No. Like with this client, she invested a tremendous amount of energy over 25 years, and it was good, it worked. And it manifested something from her 12th house vision. The details don't even matter of what it was or where. It doesn't even matter. But she created it. And that is a creative act that is very important to all the people it affected and to her. All the people who are part of it and to her. But everything has to end. And so with the planet in the 12th house, we learn that sometimes things go away when they're no longer needed. Same with my Venus in the 12th relationship. Two weeks into the relationship, my spirit guides come through the channel and say, ah, don't get too attached to her. She's a stepping stone, right? And then a year later, it's over. She's gone. And I'm like, oh, you know, because I feel like I lost something integral. Well, that year of my life was very important. What I learned about myself during that time is very important. What this client of mine learned through those two and a half decades is very important. So we, we often find ourselves, especially with Saturn in the 12th, losing something that we have based our sometimes our egoic identity around. Um, how to avoid this? Understand that you're going to lose things and it doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean life is stepping on you. It doesn't mean you did something wrong or you deserve suffering or punishment. That's not the point at all. That story with that client sticks out for me. It's probably, I don't know, it's probably been five years, maybe longer since I, since uh, you know that story happened. I think she, had Saturn, she has Saturn in Virgo, so Whatever that was, that might have even been longer than five years, even seven or eight years. But it sticks with me because it's a really um, undiluted kind of classical exp experience of Saturn in the 12th. If we believe that the thing got destroyed or died, if we believe a negative thing about that, 
then we miss the point of Saturn trying to mature us and teach us that letting go and surrendering is important. You know, at certain times in life that may happen to somebody where they build something and then it dies or goes away. In other, in other cases, or even for the same people, you might have things where you have a big dream to do something and it just won't get off the ground. And that can be frustrating too because your ambition, right? But, but it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong if it doesn't work. It means that the timing or the details or it's not for you or the collaborative, you know, the, the team that's a, that's a, that's a drawn together, or it could be that people aren't receptive. So it's, you know, anyway, with Saturn in the 12th, the hard knocks reality is sometimes things don't work, but sometimes even when they die, they're still beautiful and they were wonderful and very important. So you're creating something through hard work that you might have to let go of eventually. If you recognize the truth that all things have to die, you can flow better with this. Okay, moving on. Chiron in the 12th. Yeah, I did that right. Chiron's the next one. I do treat Chiron as a major planet. Uh, Chiron within you is the energetic sensitizer. It's an energy antenna. Like if Mercury's perception and communication function and moon is what you have to do to make yourself happy, the feeling function, Chiron is uh, being um, affected by the energy in the world around you. And it has a very specific kind of thing. You, you, if you're into astrology, and if you're an hour and five minutes into this MP3, you are, <laughs> then you've heard that Chiron in your chart represents the wounded healer. You're wounded or you're the wounded healer. I go beyond that and say that wounding and the wounded healer, wounding and healing, are both reactions to energetic sensitivity. So your own wounding from infancy is a sense of being rejected by your parents or your loved ones. The, the book Chiron 2012 in the Aquarian Age explains this in detail, and I encourage you to, it is an astrology book, right? but I talk about myth and archetype and these psychological emotional processes quite a lot. Um, but the, 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 the myth where people are focused, typically astrologers focus on the wound, he cannot die as an adult, the inadvertent poisoning with the poisoned arrow. Uh, I think that's a distraction from that each of our chirons contain this sense of being worthy of rejection. So we get hypersensitive to the reactions of others to us. Well, here in the 12th house, uh, you might be hypersensitive to how others deal with your sensitivity, <laughs> but you also might be, probably are also hypersensitive. Like when you need time alone and other people say why, you might feel that in a painful way, like you're being judged in a, in a way that you might not be. They just don't get it. But also you're going to be tuned into the pain and suffering in the collective. So you're going, this is one of the most uh, hypersensitive to energy placements there is, Chiron in the 12th house natally. Uh, I'd say Chiron in any aspect to Neptune or in Pisces or, you know, in, this, uh, in the 12th. And because you are wide open, and you might not have boundaries. You might not stop absorbing things that don't work for you because your energy antenna is pulsing with the waves of suffering in the collective. So a lot of people with 12th house planets may isolate some, but people with Chiron in the 12th may do so a little more. Or they might shut down that sensitivity. You might find somebody with a bunch of first and um, 10th and 11th house placements. First person might be very outgoing and ambitious, but have Chiron in the 12th. And uh, that person might filter everything to make sure that 
he or she is not aware of the emotional content of what's happening in whatever situations he or she is living through. So, um, you know, flowing with things, letting things flow and not being attached to them is part of it, but also learning to deal with energetic boundaries. I always recommend getting grounded and then deciding what you're available to experience. I talk about this a lot in terms of relationships, but also energy management. So what are you willing to experience? What, you know, and having a compassionate response to the suffering in the world is good, but if you absorb the suffering and then try to have compassion for it, you'll be overwhelmed. If you instead look at everybody as a soul living a human life and watching the divine play, where every soul is learning, in fact, through human experience, how to go from fear into love, well, then you can manage with Chiron and the Twelfth better because you can flow with it and not take personally that you're so attuned to others' suffering. Recognize that suffering is part of the human journey. And everybody creates it. And sometimes you can't help people. Some people who are not shut down with Chiron and the Twelfth may work a lot toward helping and healing other people or the collective. It's, it's true of any planet in the Twelfth House, potentially. But especially with Chiron and the Twelfth. But it's overwhelming. And if your inner infant, who is, by the way, helpless and clueless, you know, you might be 50 years old, but that inner infant is always three months old. Uh, if that part takes over, you'll feel helpless and clueless. So, uh, and also very vulnerable and emotional and sensitive. So, um, yeah, so managing emotion and energy and learning how to get grounded and let things flow through you, but not everything, and not getting attached to things. These are very, very important. And recognizing that you can do things to contribute to the healing of the collective, but you can't do every single thing that you can think of. So that's part of the Chiron and the Twelfth story. Uh, moving on to Uranus in the Twelfth House. Uranus is the part of your psyche that needs to break free from constriction and conventional norms. But Uranus is also the part of you that might be afraid of going on one's own and therefore accept boredom by not breaking free from constricting norms. So it's kind of two sides of the same coin. People have Uranian awakenings, and they just re and sometimes it's by transit and progression, you know, to or from Uranus, and suddenly they say, well, I can't take this anymore. And there's this really dramatic intolerance response. I guess it's a nice way to say <laughs> But people will scrap everything, or this whole entire relationship, or this whole entire career, or this whole entire whatever, and they'll just make a change. So Uranus in you is the part that needs change, but you might resist because you want safety and security. So Uranus is also an innovative, eccentric, eclectic, genius-like part of you. Um, clever, moving at speeds different than other people. Uh, because of that, anybody's Uranus can be intolerant of everybody else because you grasp things really quickly and some other people might not and you don't want to have to take the time if you're a uranium person to describe it to other people because if they don't get it then they're never going to get it or if they don't get it they're not smart enough or some kind of judgment comes in often um, it can happen that way intolerance criticism kind of a sharp tongue is sometimes a uranium a uranium thing you didn't get that? You didn't see that? It was so obvious. Why didn't you see that? 
<laughs> when you're like, um, I, I don't know, I just didn't. The other, the Iranian person was moving very quickly and processing things very quickly. There is an electric quality to your, your, your Uranian self. Now, going with that, it is also involving flashes of in, insight. It's not really Neptunian intuition. It's like electric insight. You just know something, and you can't explain it. Neptunian insight is when you clear the decks, work on your vibration, and something appears to you, and you get it. But it's not always quick. Uranus is always quick. So, Uranus in Neptune's house. What does that look like, Tom Jacobs? So, you need to free yourself in certain ways from being affected by the collective. You don't need to be a loner and go live in a hole in the ground in Montana. We are just doing tickets and see the chart in, my, in one of my classes. You don't need to do that, but you might want to. But you need to clear the deck so you can think straight. That Uranus electric cleverness thing within you needs not to be hyper-stimulated. But you probably are if you have Uranus in the 12th because you're very aware of all the muck and garbage and bureaucracy and waste of, wastes of time and the subjugation of marginalized populations and the blah, 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 the kind of Uranus freedom fighter rebel kind of energy in the 12th house. You're going to be very aware of those issues in the collective. Like I said, you can shut down and there your intuition and your sense of inner truth will not be active because, again, remember, all the other houses are about the world and there seems to be, a, you know, houses 1 through 11 fit with material reality and cause, cause and effect. And there can seem a place for Uranus in certain ways in all the other, at least in certain ways in all the other houses. But in the 12th house, it's like this weird chapter of I don't know where I am thing. So how would I free myself? Well, how to do that is create the alone time, the quiet time, without stimulation. And also without electronic EMF stimulation, by the way, uh, from electronics of all kinds. Because Uranus will be in the 12th will be affected by all that stuff. So if you live next to the, one of those poles that has a huge transformer on it or next to a cell tower, which are a in a lot of places in our modern world, you might find yourself a little agitated and feeling unsafe because you're affected by those energies. So do research into crystals and stones and things like that that can help you manage that better. Not shield yourself because you need protection, but just manage your energy better and set your space up so you're not always as affected by every bit of uh, energetic stimulus that might come your way or waft by your house. I don't want to plant seeds of fear in you or doomsday kind of stuff, but I just want you to be aware that you're being energetically affected. All 12th house people, potentially. But um, definitely with Uranus in the 12th. Definitely. Um, so how do you free yourself? You find the frequency of what is true for you, and then you will immediately know in a random moment. So so all 12th house processes, like I'm talking about with all these planets, well, you got to clear the decks. you got to be quiet and chill out and, and play with animals and tap into the consciousness of birds, you know, or ferrets or whatever it is. But you, um, um, but with the um, overabundance of potential, overabundance of stimulation with Uranus there, you won't know, you won't be clear on what's right for you until you do that. It's true of all of them, but Uranus is a particular thing. All Uranus uh, bits of, of a person need to have independence to clear the decks and have the, the, the head clear. Uh, but with Uranus in the 12th, you know, being sensitive to the overstimulation in a certain way, it, it's even more important. So you might not free yourself. 
if you have Uranus in the 12th for a long time. You might not create independence. You might not innovate because the way that that function within you works may not seem to fit in the world and others might not get it. Uh, all Uranus has that potential because it's about uniqueness and being different and moving at your own pace and speed and perhaps a little faster or a lot faster than others. So you might not individuate. You might be willing to be bored and that can lead to a depressiveness. So hopefully I've given you some tools in here if you have Uranus in the 12th to not fall into that trap. Uh, Neptune in the 12th, I just did classes for my monthly subscribers on Neptune, and I had a hard time thinking about Neptune in the 12th. Uh, and I think I succumbed to my own weird thing about uh, warning people, don't get caught up in thinking it's weird. But anyway, Neptune is the part of you that needs to um, surrender to a higher truth. Now, the 12th house involves the parts of life that are about that. But the Neptune impulse within you is to find meaningfulness by being by, by finding out that you're part of the fabric of reality, that it matters that you're living meaningfulness. In many ways, the 12th house and the Neptune archetype have to do with, you, know, you've heard, might have heard me talk about existentialism before, needing a reason to live. In many ways, we're, we're Neptunianly searching for some sense of purposefulness in our lives. So Neptune is the part of you that is trying to open up to find that. Neptune is within you is a satellite dish, gathering energetic data, looking for purposefulness, looking for meaningfulness, dot, 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 outside you. <laughs> so, so the fact is that you are already, you have a seventh chakra, that's the crown chakra. The first one start is around the anus, that's the root or first chakra, and then there are seven centers. The seventh one, if you're not familiar with this, uh, and you can get the chakra course from my website, from the healing courses page if you're not, because that's where I explain everything I can about these chakras. But the seventh is already connected to the divine. It's your spiritual connector. You don't have to work a lot to do that. You have to clear the debris from chakras one through six. So you are already spiritually connected. So Neptune in the 12th house may find in this pursuit of connectedness a bunch of distracting, uh, uh, distractive behaviors, escapist things that may become addictive uh, because you're trying to find a sense of purpose, purposefulness and meaningfulness. So you may be distracted by the lure of something that may seem to promise you a sense of meaningfulness. Beauty glamour, mysticism, the cults with the Kool-Aids or whatever it is, or the shiny sneakers, uh, you know, the, the, where somebody's telling you this is the highest truth possible and you're taking it in. You might be distracted if you're not connected to your own sense of what is true. So the, so the process of maturation with Neptune the 12th is in letting go of things that are illusory and finding the truth within you, and then you can connect to the greater world around you. But you have to know what's true within you. And you can't, with Neptune the 12th, be healthy and get away with letting yourself be deceived by some glamorous image of something that you would like to be true. So it can be a lot of stimulation of things that aren't true. It can also be a lot of stimulation from the collective and the world around you that leads to creativity, going with the flow, becoming music, becoming art, you know, flowing with those things. 
uh, that's a positive side of Neptune in the 12th. But you have to find out what's true within you and learn to connect with that, you know, channel to the spiritual, to the divine that is our, that already exists within you. But what that requires is coming out of the Piscean Age assumption for about the last 2100 years we're in the Piscean Age where we're told who we're supposed to be and what spirituality is and who God is. You have to get into yourself. So you have to overcome blocks to thinking that you matter or that you are important or that you have something to offer. You have to overcome blocks to that. So that's the kind of Neptune in the 12th thing. You'll find a lot of people with that who are distracted by things they would like to give them a sense of meaning because they're not sure if they're valid if they're worth listening to, if they're worth investing in. Okay. Then we get to Pluto in the 12th house. Pluto within you is all about power, confidence, strength, resiliency, you know, the phoenix rising from the ashes. And also it's, it's about how you deal with the fire that created the ashes in the first place. I like to say, what a great image, this noble phoenix rising from the ashes but the truth is, the fire sucks. It hurts. So Pluto is how you deal also with intense pain. And it's also about shadow work. Where I come from it with um, evolutionary astrology, this multi-life karmic approach that, that I use, um, Pluto represents the empowerment journey your soul sets you out on in many lifetimes. So your soul is watching you deal with what you think power is. And in the 12th house, it's about learning to give up power, to find the truth of what power is beyond material world pursuits, which is what most of us attach Plutonian strength to. If I have money in the bank, I can relax. If I have a, you know, um, whatever, prestige, influence, letters after my name, whatever. I'm losing my list because this MP3 has gone on for over 80 minutes. I'm losing, but you can tell my voice is getting, I'm going to take a glass of water. Um, yeah. Oh my God. I haven't done a long one like this in a long time. But I didn't want to give you just like four minutes on each of these planets and just be like really dismissive and curt. You know, I wanted to like flow with it. Ah, oh, flow, 12th house. So, um, Pluto in the 12th, you will try to become empowered in certain ways that simply will not work. <laughs> so if you put on the 12th, it is imperative that you let go of the conception that money is power or that viciousness means you're powerful or that worldly success is, is a route to strength and confidence. We're talking about self-validation. So you have to self-validate in a core way by dealing with your fears of being invalid, of being weak, of not being strong, of, you know, what does it mean when you lose something, money, a relationship, um, your keys, <laughs> your keys. <laughs> what does it mean when you uh, lose something, money, yeah, money even. Like for me, it's, again, I'm trying not to reject, but I have Venus Pluto on the 12th. And yeah, sometimes I make a decision that just doesn't work, and I have to let, let it go. I have to be okay with it. It's hard, because the Plutonian impulse is to survive, and there's a primal, instinctive thing about asserting powerfulness. Well, Pluto on the 12th, you have to let it go. You can't do that. What serves your highest good um, may not fit with what you consciously believe will get you strength. 
So you have to surrender and go with the flow and find the truth within you. So regarding the karmic angle of Pluto in uh, the 12th house, this is a recurring life theme. In many, many lifetimes, your soul is having you born into this human context in which you must learn what power is and isn't. You must learn the truth of power. I like to talk about a new vision of power uh, with Pluto, a new vision of power. As, uh, again, we have attached to these external markers our willingness to be strong and confident. Well, if you find, you know, the new vision is, you know, absolute, unflinching, unashamed self-awareness, which means confronting the shadow. This is true of all Pluto placements, by the way. Uh, Pluto for everybody. And then followed by absolute, unflinching, unashamed self-acceptance, which is self-validation and self-love, meaning you meet the shadows and you learn to hold space for those intense feelings, emotions, pain, anger, resentment, bitterness, depressiveness, suicidal tendencies, whatever. You learn to hold space for that rage and that ugly emotion, jealousy, possessiveness, resentment, and then you love it. That's true Plutonian empowerment. Again, we're going to be doing that in the Pluto intensive uh, in late October in Tucson, October 25th to 28th. So if this appeals to you, you know, definitely check that out on my site and be in touch with questions about that intensive. Um, but it is work. It's hard. Uh, so in many lifetimes, you're dealing with the worst kinds of loss, but also the most amazing kinds of successes and, and, and gains. So Pluto is always about extremities. And in the 12th house, you're learning through letting go of things. So, you know, if somebody says to me, Tom, your work is the greatest thing that ever happened to me, <laughs> I don't know, whatever, and you are the best person who ever lived, right? If somebody said that to me, I need to make sure I don't take that as meaningful. Well, I will say thank you. I'm glad it's helping you, right? If somebody were to say that. But I need to make sure I don't let that boost me up into feeling self-aggrandized or more important, right? Similarly, if somebody says to me, you are a loser, everything that comes out of your mouth is garbage, and I can't believe I wasted four minutes listening to you. Well, similarly, I need to not let that destroy me. So what I need to do is tap into the truth of what I'm doing and is this right for me? Is this in my heart? Should I be doing this? Is it true for me? And then do it. And then when somebody says to me that was really helpful, I say, great. That's what I love to hear. I'm so happy to hear that. And if they say I don't like it, I say, okay, I understand. Thanks for their feedback. Or I don't say anything. But like, you know, it, it's this whole thing about, you know, not letting, you know, let's say feedback from the masses, the 12th house. Or feedback from the universe. If you're really passionate about something and it won't work, don't let it destroy you. And if, it, if you're really passionate about something and it works, don't let it make you. Don't let it make you as if you now you get to matter. Um, I have this thing with um, speaking at conferences. Where I have, people over the years have asked me why they don't see me speak at conferences. Even early on, even as early as like, like 10 years ago, that was the first question from somebody who came to a Lilith workshop that I taught at a um, at the Bodhi Tree in LA when the, when the Bodhi Tree was existing. And uh, whatever, but in the ensuing years, I have applied to speak at different conferences. And uh, mostly I get rejections. And, and uh, even when a local 
um, astrology chapter, like a local group in a city, invited me to come speak. there, And I was really excited about it because I really wanted to do stuff like that. And I had applied different places, but just had never worked. I, I never got accepted. Well, I did let that get me down. And so with this one group who invited me, uh, they heard me speak on Astrology Hub and called me right away and invited me. Well, I, I was dealing at the time when this paperwork for them was due. Like I said, yes, thank you. That's great. Amazing. I'm happy. Thank you. At uh, the time the paperwork was due, I was actually out of town and dealing with an other life, Pluto in the 12th, healing process that was super intense and crazy. And I missed the date when the contract was due. So the person who was organizing it wrote me and said, well, you missed it. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can apply next year or whatever. And, and I was really upset. Like I was really upset. Um, because they invited me and they're not going to give me the benefit of the doubt. And I wrote back and I said, look, I've just been going through something. I just missed that deadline. And this guy was a complete Saturnian asshole. And it was just not going to happen. So he says, well, you can apply next year, but it would only be the Friday night talk, not a workshop. Well, that would he knows that would, that would make it financially not feasible for me to do it. He knows that. And I said, why are you being like this? And he's just being this hard-edged, you know, Saturnian fuckface. So I've been angry about that, and I need to let it go. Well, here we go. UAC is coming uh, in two months from today, actually May 27th at UAC, uh, which is United Astrology Conference, and it's happening in Chicago this year, um, the biggest astrology conference in the world ever. Uh, they do it every few years, and the three major astrology groups uh, in, the, in, in the Western world, I guess, put this on together. Anyway, so I applied to speak with them. And I got rejected, but then they gave me a free lunchtime talk. So I'm going to give this talk on the true Black Moon Lilith called Healing the Wild. Anyway, so then I felt good again, right? But I need to not let these things bother me because here I am reaching you. I reach a lot of people. There's a community that I've coalesced through being aligned with my truth that supports me. And I'm very grateful. And that needs to be enough for me. Not if I speak at conferences. There is a part of me who, who wants to feel validated by the validation of these groups. But okay, that part of me needs that. But I have to go my own route and do my own thing. And if I get invited again to a group, I'll say, yes, please, like that's great. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And I need to not let that ruin my momentum. Anyway, it's a long diatribe, but this thing about maybe you really, really want something. Pluto is a deep desire. And if Pluto in the 12th, maybe it's not gonna happen. So with the, as far as, just wrapping this up, uh, and it's an issue in the 12th, or Pluto's there, it's an issue in multiple lifetimes. The relationship with surrender, the relationship with, you know, um, letting go and letting things unfold as they need to, and and orienting yourself toward letting, you letting yourself, your brain get out of the way so that you can serve the highest good and have the highest good serve you. Okay, so that is, yeah, it's only 90 minutes. That's cool. Anyway, I hope this has been helpful for you. And um, <laughs> I was going to make a smart-ass comment about, if it's helpful, tell me. If it's not helpful, don't. But whatever, you can tell me anything you want. But um, yeah, keep in mind, uh, and I went through the Chiron thing and didn't mention that with the, you know, the Chiron and the 12th. But, but yeah, those healing intensives in the fall uh, are amazing opportunities. So definitely consider consider that. And uh, put down a deposit if you know you're interested. And, and read the stuff on my site on the Healing Courses page at tdjacobs.com. And again, be in touch with any questions uh, like this. So anyway, thank you for the suggestion. Somebody said, hey, would you do all the planets in the 12th? And I said, yes, I will consider it. So thanks again for that. And uh, uh, keep in touch with me if you want. Um, 
at tom at tdjacobs.com. I am on Facebook and YouTube and SoundCloud, obviously. But on Facebook, I will not see personal messages. So only email me directly. If you find me on Facebook and you're like, you write me something, I might not see it for, for six months because I don't look at those messages. Because with my Venus in the 12th, I have to limit stimulation. Anyway, take care of yourself. Bye-bye.